everyone, Dave Dubow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in with us, very accomplished real estate entrepreneur, Matt Skinner. Matt's been doing the whole real estate game for a long time, starting off as a developer and eventually nowadays really focusing on multifamily properties, doing syndications, educating people about multifamily investing, all sorts of good stuff. So Matt, welcome. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to do this. Yeah, me too, man. So where where are you located? Where's your your primary area of focus when it comes to living and investing? <laughs> Sometimes those aren't the same place and, oh, exactly. and oftentimes they may not, they shouldn't be in my opinion. So I live in Southern California. I live in the Northern tip of LA County in a little town called Santa Clarita. And are you uh, getting smoked out right now or are you guys okay? As we're, we're, we're good right now, but we have, we've had, we had to cancel some practices and some outdoor activities in the last few weeks because of the smoke. And I just say, thank God we're able to do outdoor activities these days because of all the uh, lockdowns and things like that. So Crazy, trying to get back to, to normal, I guess, or whatever normal is going to look like for us in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do most of my investing. I do have assets in California. We primarily do new development in California because if you can get your hands on a piece of land, you can, you can build something way cheaper than you can buy it. The values are just so high price per square foot that they sell for more than they, than they're, than they cost to build. So development's a really good play in a, in a hot market like this. I know Toronto's a very similar market. I have a lot of friends and, and fellow investors in that market too. So kind of bigger cities, you usually start seeing that kind of dynamic. We like to buy for cash flow. We've been buying in Arizona for the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started in multifamily. I bought my first building in LA, but I bought my second building in Texas. And Texas has treated us very well. I just raised $5.6 million for a $37 million project. We're going to break ground on a 288-unit apartment complex, Class A, in uh, Texas. We'll break ground in November. So we're really excited about that. I literally just finished that deal yesterday, <laughs> or at least the, the raise and all of that. So we've been working on it for a long time. So it's, we're, we're excited where that project's at. So Matt, let's start way back when, when you first started in on this. It sounds like you got quite a background in, in construction and, and that sort of thing. How did you make the jump from swinging the hammer to crunching the numbers and, and making the deals happen? Well, that's a great, I love that question. You know, I, I didn't go to college. I barely graduated high school, if I wanted to be completely honest. And I started a construction company when I was about 22. Uh, I've been working in the trades with my family and, and whatnot for years before that, through high school and whatnot. And so it was kind of the, the family trade, if you will. Yeah. And I decided I didn't want to be a construction worker, so I better start a business. <laughs> it wasn't long after that that I knew I wanted to get into real estate development and I thought that the path would be start a construction company, flip some houses, and figure out how to get finance because that was really the big mystery for me at the time. And early on, I was very fortunate. My grandfather was a contractor. He used to build apartment buildings for a developer in the late 70s and 80s. Okay. And the guy was a syndicator. So he would raise capital from friends, family, and, and partners. And he also would ask his subcontractors if they would like to invest some of their profits in the deal. And my grandfather did on, on many projects. And so he would have these $5,000 investments in all these little, apart, you know, not little, apart, big apartment buildings all across uh, one of the most populated parts of Los Angeles. Anyway, long story short, it's around 2003. I just started my construction company and my grandfather shows me, he actually tells me, hey, we're, we're selling this building here in LA 
and I invested five grand and I'm getting like $300,000 back. And I'm like, what? And he says, and we've been getting checks every year this whole time. This has been a great investment. And I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta hear about this. So he shows me the guy's offering memorandum and it's about a five page document about a apartment development project. And I see it up until this point, I'm doing deals with one partner, right? One partner's writing a check and there's a big limitation on how much capital you can access when you try to do it that way. And so this was like a huge light bulb went off that, hey, this guy has 30 investors in a deal and he only he raised less than a million dollars back in 85 or whatever time this building was. And I said, I could do that. I could do that. So I wrote a five page business plan, put a project together and raised a million fifty and had no idea what I was doing or that there were any rules or regulations about this. Yeah. I was fortunate because my first investor was my accountant. So thank God he knew I was making some good decisions and on the right path, at least in some regard. I mean, who knows you better than your accountant, right? Yeah. And um, I did the raise and then I realized I needed to do all the paperwork behind it. My accountant advised me, got me hooked up with a securities attorney and we got that done. So I learned a lot in that period and I was, you know, 24 years old or something like that. So it was a big learning curve, but there's lots of rules and regulations that you need to follow. But it's kind of like getting your driver's license, right? If you just if you never took studied a class on the rules of the road and just started went out for a drive, even if you knew how to drive, you probably get in a lot of trouble. But if you study the book for an hour and you figure out what the rules of the road are, you know, you take your test, you pass it, and everybody seems to get along pretty well in that case. And it's very similar with, with raising capital. There are rules and there are regulations, and as long as you follow them. You know, that's not complicated and it's not hard and you shouldn't get yourself in any, any hot water. I'd say the best thing to do is disclose everything and document everything. And I think you'll be just fine. Very, very cool. So I've got a question for you, Matt, because I, I know you, you teach and train around this a lot as well. So for people that are just getting started, or maybe it's somebody who's done a couple of deals, single family home type deals or whatever. Now they want to start getting into bigger deals, multifamily properties. They don't know, have a clue about multifamily. They don't have a clue about raising capital. How do you suggest people get started? When you're working with your clients and your students, how do you, how do you get them started in that? Because it must seem kind of overwhelming for some folks right out of the gate. Absolutely. I think that the biggest key in, inside of that question is those are really two different businesses, Right. Real estate business is a real estate business and finance is a whole other industry. It's got its own rules, regulations, marketing strategies, clients, and all those kinds of things. You own an apartment building, your clients are your tenants and your boss is your bank. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's about how that goes. And so, um, you know, it's really two different strategies. So the first thing I would say is if you're just, you know, if you're going to look for deals, looking for, for properties, I know a lot of people that make a full-time living either working as an independent contractor for guys like me or independent contractor for multiple guys like me. And all they do is run a marketing system to a very specific low. And this is what I, my biggest advice is focus on one market, master one market, and don't even think about going to a second market until you know all the players, what cap rates are on each street, what rent comp should like master it and know it. And, and then Investors want that. They, they're investing with you because you are the expert. And if you're not an expert, you're a jack of all trades, then nobody's going to want to invest with you because everybody knows a little bit about a lot of things. So right. master one market and uh, you'll attract all the capital that you would ever need inside that market. One of the things I always talk about is when I set out and teach a new 
client how to how to go out and do acquisitions. We love automation, and we talk about all the marketing strategies that that you talk about often, probably as well. But the really key is if you pull a list of say 500 owners of the type of asset you want to get, and you just focus on that, and I usually say no more than 500 because it's very difficult to manage. That's your entire ecosystem because these are all owners of apartment buildings already. They all buy, sell, trade, and invest. You don't need to go outside that circle of influence if you if you really work that and build relationships and and you've got a full self-contained business model inside that. So acquisitions can be independent of raising capital. You can find great deals and and kind of, kind of wholesale them. Is that what you're talking about there? Kind of yeah, wholesale. I, I really don't like that term. There's so many negative connotations that come along with that. But many times, for an example, one of the very first apartment deals I did, an, another couple found it. I was met them in a class I was taking at the time. And um, I raised the money and I ran the, the deal and, and they got a percentage of it. And all That's, they really did was- Kind of like your grandfather. Kind of like your grandfather in a certain way, right? He took his profit in a, in a piece of the deal instead of getting the five grand. These exactly. people, instead of flipping a, or wholesaling the deal for whatever, 20 grand or 50 grand or whatever, keep a piece of the equity in the property. Way smarter. Absolutely. And usually get a, a small finder's fee or, or acquisitions fee and, and take a piece of, piece of the back end. The deal I'm in right now was a, a group, a development group. They got the builder, the loan, they got everything put together. They had a, and they were supposed to break ground a few months ago. They had a partner that had, they had been investing, had been investing with them for many years. The guy's in oil and gas and Mark's oil and gas went to like zero value. And he's, you know, backed out of this project. Probably, I mean, very smart, probably I have the Want to need to focus on his normal business. Yeah. And they called me up and said, Hey, can you do this? We need 5.6 million to close this deal. And, you know, I flew out to Texas during COVID and which was risky, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, it certainly was weird. <laughs> yeah. And we made this deal happen. So the, op- you know, the opportunity came to me because of the COVID situation and, and because of the financial impact of all of that. But, you know, in exchange for that, I got a large piece of equity, basically controlling interests a very nice fee and the developer is going to build it and, and they're going to run the project. And, and I love doing stuff like that. And, and it works, you know, it works both ways. It works both ways. If you're focusing on a market and you're finding deals on a regular basis, you can sell those for a fee. You can sell those for a fee plus equity, or you can, you know, syndicate it yourself or maybe find a passive partner that wants to put up the money and not, uh, and let you run the, run the show. You know, it just depends on what your goals are. But I think the key is to separate the acquisitions, real estate business from the capital raising side of the business, because capital raising is a full-time job. It can be, depending on how much capital you're going to raise. Yeah. But, but really the key is, um, is treating them as two separate skill sets. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So speaking about capital raising, it sounds like you got off to a great start there at age 24, raising over a million bucks. Any tips or suggestions to people on how to get started when it comes to raising capital? What's what have you found has worked best for yourself and your students, your clients? Sure. I think, um, I mean, I think the, the very first thing I would say, and I have, you know, had sales teams and, and I still continue to have guys work for me doing raising capital. But the number one thing I, I tell them and tell anybody starting out to raise capital is you can't have the mindset of this is my project and I need your money in order to do my deal. And that's how a lot of, you know, especially new guys, they're very much ego attached. My deal, I found it. I'm a, you know, those kinds of things. 
there's a sense of, there's that sense of entitlement perhaps. And so when I learn to be a steward of their assets, you know, you're essentially hiring me to find you good deals, run the good deals and make you money. I know it's counter to this financial freedom idea, but it really comes down to, hey, I work for you guys, man. My job is to make your assets perform. And I think that any hedge fund manager, any private equity firm owner, any CEO of any company has that responsibility to his shareholders. And I think that's really key. Secondly, I would say when you're out raising capital, you positioning it as we call it prize framing, right? And NLP, we call it prize framing. This deal is awesome. And we'd like to invite you to participate in it. I don't need you. I don't need your money. But I'm, I would like you to come in and win with us because we want to build a long-term relationship. And all of that is true. It's just how you frame it as opposed to, I got a deal. Could you put some money in, please? And when you change that mindset, you change that frame, the money pours in, right? I have a deal. I'm the prize. I run great deals. We make this happen. And you got to back it up. You got to back it up. But if you can back that up, the money will certainly come. People want to attract with confidence and everyone is repulsed by neediness. Yeah, needy, Steve Chandler says, needy is creepy. Very, very <laughs> In all walks of life. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of my dating days, I tell you. <laughs> right, don't be too well needy. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, I tell you what, Matt, time flies when we're having fun and people want to find out more about you and, and what you're doing and how you can help other people get into multifamily investing and starting to raise capital and all that good stuff that goes with it. What should they do? Sure. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do a lot of consulting now and help other people set up systems and processes to build a capital raising firm. I help people raise capital for their first deal, second deal, third deal, but I also specialize in really helping them set up systems and processes to have a private equity business. When you have the money, deals come to you from all over the place. You know, they just, they just flood in. So it's a great position to be in to help people do that. But I wrote a book called the dealmaker manifesto. I have it for free for you guys at dealmakersociety.com dealmakersociety.com forward slash book. And uh, basically what I wrote, I tell some stories about my first capital raises, some of the projects I've done, how we put together creative real estate financing inside of it. But the book's really about not how to do real estate, but how to become someone who makes deals and gets paid on a regular basis. How do you become a deal maker? How do you see the world differently so that you can see opportunities where a lot of people aren't seeing the same thing as you are? And that's really what the book is about because that's the key in this game. There's lots of properties everywhere. There's lots of people with money everywhere. There's lots of institutions with money everywhere. But why are, why, what is it that's keeping some people from being able to connect those dots when other people are able to do it seemingly so easy. And it all comes down to what's how your brain's operating, how, how we work our brain. So dealmakersociety.com forward slash book. Love to have you guys get that book, check it out. And yeah, love to connect with you. You can also email me at deals at deal exchange. I mean, uh, deals at dealmakersociety.com. Perfect. Matt, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for sharing your, your wisdom, your insights and your tips. I really appreciate it. Look forward to, I'm going to get that book too. I love that. I love that idea. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version 
at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.